Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Big basketball game tonight. The Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. What is going to happen? The Jazz have been the top team in the NBA by record for a long stretch. After that 4-4 and start, they won 11 in a row, lost a game, won 9 in a row. So it's... 20 of 21, and they take control of things. And now they've had another nine-game win streak snapped by the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm really intrigued by how this game goes tonight. I am so, I don't even have words for how intrigued I am. And I realize that, you know, we'll get two, three weeks passes and probably won't mean as much. But if the Jazz lose this game, the storyline right now is they're dominating the middle and bottom of the league, but they are struggling with the elite in the league. And their lead to the Suns will be down to a game and a half. And the Suns will have beaten them twice because the Suns got them way back when they were doing that four and four start. And they're only playing three times this year. So the Suns will be a game and a half back, one back in the loss column, and they'll hold the tiebreaker and they'll still have a game left. If the Jazz win, order's restored. They're up three and a half games. They split head to head with the Suns. They won 10 out of 11. Yeah, they lost in Dallas. They were on the road. Dallas shot it well. They didn't. It happens. You can't hold teams responsible for not winning 12 in a row because nobody's winning 12 in a row with this compressed NBA schedule and stars resting and guys trying to get healthy for the playoffs and, and big names having health issues. So, big game tonight. ESPN, 8 o'clock. Jazz and the Suns. All right, we are going to talk a little uh, college football here. Uh, Fred Whittingham, tight ends coach for the University of Utah, meeting with the media. More interest than usual in the tight ends for a couple reasons. One, this looks like a pretty good group of, of tight ends for Utah. There's some name recognition because Keithy's been really good now for a while. And Fotheringham's come along and made some plays. And really intrigued by Dalton Kincaid. And you're going to hear from Kincaid coming up in the next segment. A guy who didn't play much high school football. Ball, uh, went to the University of San Diego, really let it up, lit it up at the FCS level for one year, and then transferred to Utah. So the other thing is, of course, the youth look a little light in the uh, wide receivers, but can the tight ends pick that slack up? Can they be a threat downfield? All right, here's the youth's tight end coach, Fred Whittingham on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Good morning, Freddie. Uh, just wanted to to get a, a glimpse of, of what you're going through as far as coaching the uh, tight ends. You have three very talented tight ends with Dalton, Cole, and uh, and Brant. Um, with with Brant being more of a hybrid, does that make it easier to get everybody the same amount of reps? Uh, good morning. Well, it's always a good problem to have to have good depth at a position. And uh, yeah, Brant is a very versatile player, so you can really put him out as a wide receiver, you can put him in the wing as a move tight end. You can put him in the backfield as a fullback. So that does give us a lot of versatility as far as formations and things that we can do uh, with three tight ends in the game for sure. Yeah. Next is Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Hey, Freddie, you just mentioned, obviously, that you can move these guys in a lot of different areas and, and, and do a lot with them. Um, the tight end position group has been pretty effective the last couple of years, especially with Brandt kind of taking the charge there. Where, where do you feel like this group can progress and, and where do you see, you know, maybe um, their playmaking abilities uh, sh- being showcased this year? Uh, good morning, Josh. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the mentality of any great player should be to always be seeking improvement. And I think all these guys uh, have that type of mentality. So there's always the opportunity to improve in your fundamentals and your technique. 
and become better at the things that you do. Um, you know, as an offense, it's our job to put them in a position to, to be successful on the field and to make explosive plays. So I think, you know, one of the things we can look at is ways to get uh, the ball pushed down the field to them in the passing game. Uh, I think I got um, – we, we have a, a number of different uh, players in the tight end group that can, that can uh, get separation in the passing game. Um, but it all starts with, with the run game. You know, if we're successful – uh, in the run game with, with uh, uh, them being able to, to, to be great run blockers, it puts the defense in a little bit of a dilemma because uh, they have to decide, are we going to load up the box and put uh, a bunch of linebackers in there? And, and if they do, we feel like we should have a mismatch with these guys to be able to push the ball downfield in the throw game, for sure. Next, we'll go to Jeff Call from the Deseret News, followed by Sammy Mora from the Daily Utah Chronicle. Yeah, I was wondering in terms of recruiting, how important is Utah County and the, the talent that's there and how big of a factor is it to have guys like uh, Britton Covey have success and kind of show what can be done? Uh, Utah is always going to be our, our first and highest priority as far as a recruiting area, whether that be Utah County, Salt Lake County, uh, Davis County, Weber County, whatever county it may be. Uh, if the players are there, we're going to put a priority on on our in-state recruits and prospects and make sure that we feel like we are getting the best players in-state. And, and there's been a long history and tradition of players from in-state coming up here uh, to the University of Utah and having outstanding careers and helping us win a lot of football games, earning their degree and going on to do big things. So uh, the players, uh, wherever they are in Utah, and we just have hap happened to have a bunch from Utah County, we'll seek them out, we'll find them, and we'll try to get the best ones up here. Next is Sammy Mora, followed by Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Morning, Coach. Um, Talking about Dalton, he had such a prolific career at San Diego. How, and obviously with the reduced season last year, what are you looking to see from him in his first full season at Utah? Oh, good morning. Yeah, uh, Dalton was was a great find for us. You know, he did have a lot of success at the University of San Diego at the FCS level. Uh, you know, the first goal last year was to get uh, a waiver approved for him to be eligible as a transfer, which we were able to do. So he got a lot of great experience. Uh, now, year two in the program, he's more comfortable with the offense. He knows the scheme and he's got a lot of talents uh, in both the run game and, and the passing game. I think we can get Dalton involved as a uh, as a vertical threat uh, at, as a tight end. Um, I think we can get him involved in a number of different ways because he's he's got the the complete package when it comes to you know uh, an every down tight end. He's he's got good size. He's got good physicality. He runs well. Uh, he's very athletic. He's got very good hands. So again, we're we're blessed to have a number of different uh, players at this position currently in the program that that can play at a very high level so it's our job as coaches to to put them in those positions to be able to make the plays next is cole bagley good morning coach how are you doing great thank you good uh, i'm just curious um, what are your expectations from uh brant keithy this season you know he had a, a really good 2019 season and, and last year it seemed he took a little bit of dip as far as um production what are you expecting this season 
Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes the production uh, is often tied to touchdowns. And so last year he didn't have uh, a, a touchdown, but he still averaged five catches a game. I believe he was the leading uh, tight end as far as receptions in the, the Pac-12 with the shortened season. So I would argue that he did have a productive year last year. He just didn't score a lot of touchdowns. And, you know, sometimes that's within your control. Sometimes that's not within your control. But with Brant, you know, coming back, uh, this would be his senior year if it wasn't for the, you know, the COVID carryover of an additional year of eligibility. Uh, I expect him to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. And uh, when he's healthy, uh, as we've seen, he's 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 a handful. He's he's hard to uh, to scheme for because he can do so much. So I expect him to improve his run blocking. I expect him to, uh, to improve in, in every facet of his game. And that's the kind of guy he is. He always wants to get better. He always wants to do more. He's ultra competitive. He wears his heart out on his sleeve and, 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 uh, and I expect him to be a, a really big time playmaker in this offense within the scheme of, of how we do things. And that's the key is that, you know, we've got a lot of talent on, on offense. We've got a lot of uh, potential weapons and, and we've got to spread the ball around and, and make sure that, uh, you know, that we put them in positions to, to, to make the type of plays that we've seen them make in the past. And, and I expect, uh, big things, not just, you know, uh, this season out of brand, I expect big things every single practice. And just a quick follow-up, um, in regards to Cole fathering him, what, uh, how important is he to the, the tight end room? And then what are you expecting from him this year? Cole is vitally important, important to the tight end room and, and the team as a whole. He's on the leadership council, which was elected by his peers. And, and Cole's been a three-year starter here in this offense. Uh, Cole is an outstanding uh, run blocker. And, and, you know, one thing about Cole also is that, that he, he has some of the best hands you'll see for a tight end. He can really catch the ball. Um, and he's done a lot to work on his uh, speed and explosiveness in the offseason. You see that show up in the practice. And, again, I think uh, – another guy that's an every down tight end that can make plays in both the run game and the throw game. And Cole is vital to, to the room, to the tight end room and, and to the offense and to the team overall as a leader, as an experienced guy. Um, and as a guy that, you know, will help us play some championship football. Next up, Trevor Allen, KSL sports.com. Do you feel like that there's a light at the end of the tunnel of when you guys can actually go out and be able to visit recruits and have them on campus or, or is it still a, a, a shot in the dark? Well, we're still waiting for official word from the NCAA, but all signs are pointing to uh, going into a quiet period in June, which would allow uh, prospects to come to our campus. We could host official visits in June and, uh, and have camps, uh, potentially in June, they, they may not look exactly like the camps we've had in the past, uh, but but it is looking like those those signs are pointing to us being able to interact with recruits on our own campus in June, and then hopefully in in the fall uh, we'll be able to do on in person evaluations at high school games, JC games, things like that. And uh, I'm personally looking forward to it because recruiting and 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 being out there and finding prospects is one of the best parts of this job i believe i love it and uh i hope that that we're able to do that very soon but but i i do believe that we will be able to uh have recruits on campus in june
There's a huge tight end coach, Fred Winningham, his brother, the head coach, Kyle Winningham, coming up in the next segment, along with a couple of the Utah tight ends who should be making big plays this year. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the Utes famously lost a couple of wide receivers in the transfer portal. Uh, Kyle Williams is going to talk about this. They uh, will pick up probably two. Uh, Certainly one, maybe three, but ideally probably two receivers. But there's no doubt some of the production has to be picked up by the tight ends. Brant Keithy, high expectations for him coming off a couple of good seasons. Here's Brant Keithy with the media. Brant, you you were able to get five games in in 2020 in a, in a free year. How, how do you feel like you, you grew as a player and, and you know, in your role at, uh, within the offense? Yeah, it wasn't a great year, but um, I think I improved as a player just overall in my body type and just learning systems and getting in touch because first year under a system with Coach Ludd, it was great, but um, you really don't know all partakes what's in the system. So it's good that we got a bunch of new guys in. So I think it's going to be a little change this year, but last year was a great year just to start off and uh, see what this new team was about. And I'm looking forward to this year. And then do a follow-up on that. Uh, Kyle Whittingham said that uh, Charlie Brewer is the quarterback that is separating himself from, from the others in, in spring ball. What is it about his game where he's doing that? Well, he can throw at all angles. He can run the ball. I mean, you saw it at Baylor. He's a little glimpse. Uh, I didn't get much. I didn't get to see much of him at Baylor just because we're on the West Coast and um, I didn't get to really watch much of him. But uh, the things I have seen, he can throw amazing. And uh, during practice, he – he can launch it. Next question will come from Josh Furlong with KSL, followed by Cole Bagley with Utah Daily Chronicle. Yeah, Brent, obviously uh, the wide receiver room got a little thinner this, this offseason with a couple guys leaving. Um, but the, the, you know, the tight ends have obviously been one of the highest productive uh, units in, in the team. You know, where do you feel like your guys' job is to step up and, and kind of take on that? Or do you feel like it's still kind of a similar role and complementary to kind of what, what Utah has already kind of accomplished? I think it's a little bit of both, but um, I mean, we have playmakers. Dalton's doing really good uh, this spring, and I think next year it's going to be it's going to be a different story because um, he wasn't really much involved last year, and plus, only getting only getting five games and just a lot of the play was a little erratic. Just um, I think this year, getting a full slate of games, I think tight end group is going to be really showed. Next question will come from Cole Bagley, followed by Jeff Call with the Desert News. Yeah, Brian, I'm curious. Um, you had posted on Instagram about coming back to University of Utah. Was there any questioning your return, or was there any plans of maybe trying to go to the next level? Um, I mean, a little bit just because I had a decent season, but uh, I just sat there and I was like, well, we only won three games or however many games we won. It doesn't really matter. It was in the past, and we haven't won a Pac-12 championship, and that's the most important goal. It's been here, and every single year we fall short of it. So, we just came here to win that. And just a quick follow-up, I guess what what are you looking forward to the most then this season? Just playing with the guys. I mean, uh, it's it's a whole new group, and I don't think all of us really know each other that well. And just with this COVID, and I think once we 
comes a little bit back to normal, I think the teams can really get some chemistry. And uh, I'm just looking forward to us playing because five games wasn't enough. Excited for the uh, fans to get back in the stadium and, and we can rock the U. Next question will come from Jeff Cole. Yeah, could you describe what uh, Britton Covey brings to this team in terms of what he does on offense and special teams and leadership and then kind of what you've seen the way that he's overcome injuries and different adversity like that? Yeah, he's tough. Uh, he's a great leader. And I mean, anytime you get the ball in his hands, he's going to do something electric no matter what. He has four guys in front of him, six guys. Like, he's going to make all the miss or just run around them. Yeah, he's a, he's a great leader and great player. And um, he's a great guy to have in the locker room just to keep everybody straight and and – I mean, we have some guys that just kind of act up, but he's the one that kind of sucks him straight and just – he's a really tough guy and a great leader. Final question for Brandt will come from Sammy Mora. Morning, Brandt. Um, you've already briefly touched on Dalton, um, but what is it that he possesses mixed with your game and Cole's game that can take this tight end group to the next level? Yeah, um, he's tall, he's fast, he can stretch the field and go up and grab balls. I mean – it just adds another element to our tight end group and the overall offense as a playmaker. And if we have all the guys that we have on the field, I don't see there's any way that anybody can stop us. I mean, we can stretch the field with him. We can do a lot of things with JD, Britt. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can do this year. It's just, uh, I think if we implement everybody in the offense and, and get the guys the ball, it's going to be a great year. All right, there's Brand Keithy, Cole Farthingham, also expected to produce. And keep your eye on Dalton Kincaid. When he transferred into the U, Kyle Winningham was very high on him, very complimentary. Now, the way things worked out last year, only five games, he didn't have a big impact or anything. Um, and we don't get to know much about him. And we don't, this should be the year we really find out who Kincaid is. He only played one year of high school football. He went to USD, University of San Diego. Um, FCS level, same level as uh, Weber State and Southern Utah, and now Dixie State. He lit it up there and was among the national leaders in multiple categories, transferred to the U. Here he is with the media. Well, and obviously with last year, it's kind of hard to acclimate into a program with COVID and just a shortened season and everything. You know, where do you, where do you feel like you can kind of take, take a next step now with the program in, in spring and, and just kind of being able to, you know, mesh with that, that tight end position group? Uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with time. Uh, I think chemistry is a big thing with football and just having more time with the guys, not only just the tight end group, but uh, every single position, uh, just creating better relationships with them. And then just learning the offense more, uh, not just knowing the why and the you, but uh, more positions and more concepts. The next question will come from 1280 Dalton, I'm curious about your high school career. You played one year of high school football. Did you play other sports? Why didn't you play more football? Uh, can you kind of take us through that time and what happened? Yeah. Uh, so I played freshman football, uh, like most freshmen going into high school. And then following that year, uh, they changed the whole offensive scheme to like a wing T offense. And at the time I was just a receiver. So I decided to focus more on basketball which was my main sport growing up. And then I ended up transferring to a different high school because my mom thought I would enjoy a smaller college experience like she had. And when I transferred there, it was a smaller school, of course. There was about 300 in the graduating class. And I mean, everyone played some sport. So uh, my buddies who were a lot of my AAU basketball friends convinced me to come out for football. And I mean, from there, it's kind of just got the ball rolling. 
So just a quick follow-up, how did that work in recruiting then? Because you would have been off the radar. Did you pursue people? Were, were there people pursuing you at the lower levels? What happened? Uh, I definitely got a lot of notice from uh, like D2 schools, a lot of schools in the north, like North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho. And um, we, the receiving coach at the time, uh, one of my best friend's dad's, uh, Mr. Cody, he kind of was like a recruiting coordinator in a way. He would talk to the colleges that came and say like, this is who we have and if you're looking for anyone. So he was a huge benefit in the recruiting process and just communicating with schools and myself and helping me get to the next level. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Yeah, I'm curious, uh, what's it been like to take reps with, with Charlie Brewer and, and if you could describe kind of the type of quarterback that he is? I mean, the more reps you get with him, the better chemistry. So any rep is a good rep. Uh, but he's just – he's very confident in what he does. Uh, he kind of just has a switch that when he's in the huddle, he's just locked in. And, uh, I mean, he throws a, a gorgeous ball. It seems to always hit you in the right spot. And he's kind of just taking more of a leadership role, I feel like, uh, when he's in the huddle. Next question will come from Josh Rillong. Yeah, you mentioned it's it, you know you kind of need to get acclimated to to your teammates and kind of get to know them a little bit better. But what what do you feel like you've learned specifically from Brant and Cole and, and maybe some other guys in there that have you know some veteran experience with this program and, and where do you think they can help you take your game to the next level? Uh, Cole and Brant have been a huge help. I mean, with learning the playbook and just like tips and tricks on the field. Uh, I mean, at this level, the guys are bigger, faster, stronger, and your technique's going to be involved a lot more. So, I mean, Cole has great technique in the run game in the pass game as well. Brant has great technique in the run game as well and pass game. So I think both of them are just a huge help and just learning from them and uh, even other guys in the position group. Just, I mean, we kind of just all like benefit each other in some way with tips and tricks and it's all more like constructive criticism. All right, there is Dalton Kincaid now. Here is the head coach, Kyle Whittingham. Okay, ready to uh, get into week uh, four here of spring ball. Two weeks to go um, this week and obviously culminating next week with the spring game. And so that gives us uh, four practices, a scrimmage in the spring game uh, left. And uh, our, you know, so far, very good work. A lot of progress. Um, just uh, got to keep... Uh, taking steps forward with each practice and and uh, see where we're at at the end of this whole thing. And then we'll get uh, get ready for the next phase, which would be uh, summer conditioning. So that's where we're at. Questions? Okay, thank you. We'll start off from Hans Olsen, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hey, coaches, you mentioned over 120 players for this spring ball. Has it been as hectic to manage those numbers as you thought or more simple? Time. You, know, you still have to be within your 20 hours, which we, which we are. But, but uh, more up, more reps on the field for uh, you know for the excess of guys, and and uh, it seems to have worked out very well. Now, the uh, you know there's a lot of the vets that uh, are 
you know, they've played a lot of good football for us, have not gotten as many reps as, as the younger guys, but that's by design, and that's pretty much the case every spring. You you got a handful of guys that have that have uh, played a lot of football for you that just don't need the the, the amount of reps that uh, some of the younger guys do. So it's been about the same dose. We just have more reps to, to go around because of the, the more uh, bigger volume of numbers. We'll go next to Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com, followed by Austin Facer of ABC4. Kyle, how, how's that move been with uh, Kane Savage and Ben Renfro moving over to wide receiver during spring ball? Is that looking like something that is going to stick or you still want to see how, how that goes for the next couple of weeks? The latter. We'll, we'll continue that uh, throughout the remainder of spring ball, then make a decision. Uh, Ben's been unable to practice for a couple weeks now with a minor injury, and so his his progress has been slowed. But but Kane has been out there every day and, and uh, actually had a visit with Kane uh, Right in the middle of spring ball, about the two and a half week mark, and and checked in and saw, you know see how things were going with him, and he was eager to to continue down the path and and stay at wide receiver at least through spring. So so those two guys will be uh, finishing up spring ball at wide receiver, and again Ben should be back this week. Uh, like I said, he's missed f- uh, three or four or five practices, uh, but he should be back this week. Next up, Austin Fazer, followed by Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Hey, Kyle, um, I know it's about a week away or more, actually, um, but how's it going to feel, you know, to have fans back in the stadium for the first time at the spring game? Well, it'll be great. And, uh, we're anticipating 6,500, and so uh, not everyone will get to go. Typically, we get about 10,000 for the spring game, but uh, it's a step in the right direction and uh, just hoping that uh, we're at full capacity in the fall. That may be a little optimistic, but that's that's what we're hoping for. Next is Cole Bagley, followed by Jeff Call of the Deseret News. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Morning, Cole. Good. I'm just wondering, um, how would you describe uh, Brant Keithy's talent and contributions to the team? Uh, first of all, he's an extremely talented young man. He's not... Uh, He's more of a hybrid than he is a tight end. He's he doesn't have the uh, prototypical tight end size. You know, he's six two and a half, about two hundred and thirty pounds, and so more of an H back. Uh, actually played running back in high school, so that, that was his background when he got to the program was was as a running back. But uh, extremely talented. Uh, Catches the ball exceptionally well, runs great routes, elusive in the open field, as you've seen many times over the last couple of years. And he's a big weapon for us. And and uh, he hasn't been practicing much as of late. He's got a little ailment going on that, that shouldn't be uh, an issue long-term, but but uh, hasn't had a lot of work this spring. He was out early in spring uh, for practice and then uh, has been shut down for a while. So so he hasn't been uh, a part of what we're doing, but, but uh, he'll be a big part of what we're doing this fall. Next, we'll go to Jeff Call. Uh, Kyle, I know it's been a while, but uh, what do you remember about recruiting uh, Britton Covey? Britton Covey. Um, first of all, it was a projection. He was a quarterback in high school and a very good quarterback. And uh, we knew that that wasn't going to be his, uh, his uh, position in college, but thought he could be an outstanding receiver. And, uh, you know, I've known the Covey family for literally – 45 years you know we've been uh grew up in the same neighborhood and, and uh knew brit's grandfather very well and and of course brit's dad and so it's been a relationship for for many many years but uh we uh i we just had a belief in brit that 
that he could play uh, Division One football as a wide receiver, and uh, even more certain that he could be a returner. He was such a terrific returner, and so it was a uh, uh, just a typical recruiting process. Although uh, he didn't have, I didn't think he had nearly as many. Uh, people interested in him as he should have. I, th- I think they discounted him because of his size, a lot of the, the schools, and and uh, shouldn't have because he's uh, he's a playmaker, and we're excited to have him on our team for the and last 12 years. And to follow up with that, um, has recruiting kids from Utah County changed in the time that you've been at Utah? And if so, how? It sure has. Uh, it used to be pretty much a fence around Utah County, and you couldn't get in on those guys. And now uh, we've had a lot of success with, with players from Utah County coming up here and and uh, making the transition. And, and uh, if you go back through the years, there's been uh, so many guys that have played good football for us. I think it started out with the Christensen brothers uh, way back when Kimball and Howard Christensen made the move. They were, they were guys that uh, typically would have been locks to stay in Provo and play, but, but uh, they came up here and, and – uh, there's a lot of guys that have followed suit and followed in their footsteps. And, you know, I don't have a list in front of me, but I'm going to tell you there's been a lot of players from, from down there that have uh, been very successful up here. Our next question will come from Josh Furlong, KSL.com, followed by Hans Olson. Yeah, Kyle, you've mentioned several times um, that you're obviously going to need to go into maybe the transfer portal or some other means to get to uh, wide receivers in the in the off season. You know, with with spring football and being able to see what you've you've got there. You know, has has any of your your uh, decisions changed in terms of like the types of players that you're going to recruit, or is anything that way, or or is it just more adding depth to be able to make sure that you have enough to go and fall? Well, I think it's adding the best players that are that are available, and it may not be players; it may just be one. Uh, but uh, one for certain, what we need, and, and two would probably be the optimal number. It could creep to three, but I, I doubt that. That would be the absolute uh, ceiling on that. But uh, we just need to find the, the most productive playmakers that we can find, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an inside guy or an outside guy. Uh, just production, and uh, that's. That's the uh, you know what we're doing now, and and that we feel like we've got uh, a good handle on it. We've got some really good prospects, and there's going to be more. Like like we all know, after spring ball, I think there's going to be a, another influx of uh, players into the portal. But but uh, we'll come away with uh, a guy or two that will help us, and that's that's. Uh, you know, that's already ongoing that, that process and that search following up real quick on that how do you feel like in these these few weeks that you've had that the players have been how, how receptive do you think they've been to chad bumpus and kind of the the message that he's able to provide while also allowing these guys to to improve in their games very receptive a lot of, a lot of positive feedback and and uh you know, sometimes the change is good and, and uh just you know a new face and a new voice and and I think uh, that's been the case with us, and it's nothing against uh, pass receiver coaches or Coach Holiday. They've all been outstanding, but but I think Chad has been very well received by our players, as well as Charlie Brewer. You know, that's important. That's an important thing that you're, you bring a new quarterback in, compete for that starting job. He's got a fit as well, and Charlie so far has been an outstanding fit. Our final question this morning for Coach Whittingham will come from Hans Olsen. Well, Coach, you kind of answered my question. I was going to say I really aren't – I'm not interested in a name. Just curious if there is a quarterback that is really separating themselves through the spring through four weeks. Charlie Brewer, hands down. He's, he's uh, 
been uh, everything we hoped he'd be to this point. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a proven bet. I mean, he's uh, he's got a lot of experience under his belt at the Power Five level. He's thrown for a ton of yards and won a bunch of games. And so that's what we expected. And so far, he's been exactly what we had expected. And, and uh, as he continues to digest and assimilate the offense, he gets better and better. And it's going to be a, a great battle between him and Cam this fall because they're two outstanding quarterbacks. There's Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham going to great lengths to not other the letters B, Y, and U in order. He avoids that at all costs. Uh, when we come back, the Masters. It's time for the draft. Who's going to win this thing? Bob Casper, next with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK and Bob Casper joins us once again. Bob, good morning. How you guys doing? It's springtime in April. Yeah, it's uh, the weather's all over the map. We're not <laughs> we're not sure when we have golf weather. We got to look out the window. Sometimes we have yeah. it. Sometimes we don't. Well, it's been nice weather, you know, the last few days. But uh, you know, it's a little chillier now. But things are beautiful in Augusta right now. They are expecting some rain, like maybe Friday or Saturday, thunderstorms and stuff. But the golf course is in pristine condition. And uh, everybody's talking about how great it is to be there in April again. So did they change the course up at all? There's not much that they've changed with the golf course. Um, We would have seen that last November. um, But uh, the golf course is definitely playing a little bit faster um, in in April because it's had that whole growing season of the overseed. Um, It was a little softer in November because of the newer grass that was coming in. And they have to, you know, they had to keep it a little bit um, moister to allow that grass to grow to get ready for April. So um, definitely, golf course playing faster. Greens are a lot firmer and faster right now, and uh, and it's early in the week, so uh, expect things to get more difficult as they as the week progresses. The idea of being hot going into this tournament has always intrigued me. Now, being hot doesn't necessarily mean you won uh, the last week or in the last month, but that you've been playing well. And the reason why I bring that up is because Jordan Spieth, who we we were ready to anoint the next whomever three or four years ago, and then he went into a funk, he's been playing well. Now, he literally did win this most recent tournament here the other day. So I'm wondering how much do you buy in the idea of playing well? Because I was talking to Mike Weir and you go back to when he won in 2003, he buys into that theory because of the fact that he looked at himself and he had won twice going into Masters week. And he even brought up that when they brought in some potential winners for the pre-Masters press conferences, they didn't bring him in, and that ticked him off, and that's my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you, you if uh, if you feel like you get slighted a little bit, you get a chip on your shoulder, and, and Mike, you know, played 
phenomenally that week. Uh, the thing that was interesting about that week for Mike is um, it rained a lot, and the golf course became really, really long, and it kind of equalized distance um, with the guys that kind of hit it shorter or more technical uh, technicians with their golf game and getting the ball in the fairway and going from point to point uh, all the way through the golf course. Mike was able to maximize on that and and was able to win because um, of the situation and, and how well he was playing that week and playing that year uh, so far. Um, Jordan Spieth has played some phenomenal golf in, in his last, uh, what, six or seven starts. He's had a, a bunch of top tens, a bunch of top fives, and then just win just one last weekend at the Texas Open in San Antonio. And, um, you know, uh, he hadn't won until uh, – he hadn't won since 2017 um, and had gone through, like you said, PK, that, that slump, um, so to speak, where um, he said he just kind of – he kind of lost it and lost his perspective. But um, – but he's been able to write that ship and it all kind of started back in Phoenix when he shot 61 in the third round um, and had a chance to win. And then he was in another final round um, uh, final group and had another chance to win and then, uh, and then was able to get it done last week. So um, I, you know, Jordan Spieth is playing some great golf. Um, This is a golf course where um, the first time he played it, he finished second to Bubba Watson then he won the next year, and then he finished second the year the year after that. So it's a golf course that he's had a lot of success on. Um, and uh, anytime you can be playing well and you have confidence coming in uh, to a major championship and coming into Augusta, um, you, it's it's going to bode it's going to bode uh, good play or good good confidence um, in your mind. Um, and I and I think. You're exactly right. You need to be playing well. You need to be hitting it well and rounding in the form when you come into the Masters. Bob, you're a very nice guy. You know that, right? I I am? You are. (laughs) Because PK has gone at you a few times over the years. You've always rolled with it. And he name drops. I was talking to Mike Weir, and you just let it go. You don't take any shots at him. You don't have any nothing. I talked to Mike Weir last Saturday, last week too. So you yeah. didn't even try to top him. Nothing. You just no. rolled with no. him. That was, no. that was very no nice point. of you. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, coming on the heels of just a really weird year, and there was a Masters just a few months ago. Yep. Uh, what does that mean for DJ when you practically just won it and you're turning around and playing it again? It's not that often. Maybe occasionally, if at a U.S. Open, is it? Pebble Beach, I guess, or something like that. But it's not that often the guys play on tour on the same course this frequently, and certainly not two majors. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, this one. You know, you played in November, and five and a half months later, you played again in April. Um, they, just played, uh, the tr- uh, they just played in San Diego, and uh, we're going to see them playing in San Diego again in June. So, uh, a couple of the majors this year, um, you, you've had repeat performances in, in just a few short months. So um, I think one of the things that really benefited DJ last, you know, November with the Masters is that um, the golf course did play a little bit slower. Uh, the balls were 
holding in the fairway better. You're not not getting as much rollout. Um, and he had a great putting week, and because of that, he shot 20 under par and and kind of lapped the field, um, broke the scoring record, that kind of thing. I think this Masters is going to be a lot different. Um, the greens are going to be firmer. I think you're going to see scores under or under 10 under par. Um, and any time that happens, you're going to have to be uh, a little bit more methodical about how you play the golf course. Try to get not get yourself in positions where um, it's going to be difficult to get up and down. And as I've heard Ben Crenshaw say many, many times, when you get around the greens and when you get on the greens, they can be very di- diabolical at the Masters. And uh, that's what we're seeing so far um, in these practice rounds as guys are talking about the firmness of the greens and how fast they're rolling right now. So I think that's going to um, play uh, a big part of who we see as a Masters champion this year. So when I was talking to Tom Weisskopf, yeah, nice. <laughs> I played golf with Tom Weisskopf. See, that's it. Now you went right back at him and you topped him. That's more what I expected. That's, yeah, exactly. Well, I was down at the Golf Hall of Fame with Gary Player, and we were putting Well, I played golf with Gary Player, too. <laughs> that a kid now. Okay. This is the Bob Casper right. I expected. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, when I was discussing some things with Bernard Langer. <laughs> In German. Yeah. When did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, where's he's it as far as it goes with me? That's a, that's Good. about it. I don't. I don't. Mike's a great guy. Connection. So. Uh, what's the fan situation going to be there? There is going to be limited fans. Um, I, I think they're thinking about eight to ten thousand per day on the golf course. Um, they're going to have to wear masks and you know, exhibit as much social distancing as they can. But um, it's it's been very selective of, of who they want to have on the golf course. They and uh, and, you know, eight to ten thousand is going to be it's going to be fun to have um, some roars and some claps um, as compared to what we saw in November with really um, like maybe four or five hundred on the golf course in a day. Media's cut cut short uh, again, just like it was last November. Um, and uh, but I think the fan situation of the patrons, um, it's going to be awesome to have, you know, eight to ten thousand out and, and hear the hear the claps and stuff. The golf course. Also, the other thing that's really really cool is they've had a, a little bit of cool weather back there, so the azaleas and the flowers haven't quite popped yet, and um, they're. With the, with the warmth early in the week and that kind of thing, um, I think it's going to be a really beautiful on television to watch. All right, it is time for our major championship draft. I got DJ okay. at the Masters, so I'm on the board with a winner. We've all got a winner. Who's going to be the first to win their second major? I guess that's the drama. Bob, you are the guest. You get to go first. Who would you like to pick? I'm going to take, take Justin Thomas. He finished fourth in November, and He's trending the right. <clears throat> he's trending the right way, and uh, just won the Players' Championship. So um, he's got a lot of momentum coming in here this week too. So Justin Thomas is going to be my pick for the first one. I don't like you, Bob. Sorry. No, I don't think you are. All right, you're not supposed to win on back-to-back weeks, but he's got momentum. I'm going to go ahead and take Spieth. 
That's a good pick. You know, he won he won in Hartford and then won the Open Championship. Um, so I wouldn't put it past him if he if he. Uh, you know, having won last week, if he contended or had a chance to win again this week. I'd have taken JT if he's on the board, but you're not allowing that. Good work by you. All right, PK, who do you like? Oh, I've got a personal dilemma. Do I go with Kevin? Na, 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 na. Hey. Do I go with Kevin? Na, 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 na. Or do I just mm-hmm. draft Kevin? Nah. So I'm not going to go with him. Okay. I guess I'll go with uh, DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau. Okay. It's a good pick. Because when I was working with him on distance the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Even to, you know, he even mentioned your name, PK, in his, uh, in his interview, uh, pre-tournament interview just a few minutes ago. He said yeah. you, you helped him a lot. You're on the team. He was only hitting at about 4.30 off the tee, and now he's out there at 4.45. So, PK, thanks for those 15 extra yards there. Hey, every yard matters. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, funny. All right, Bob, second round, who do you like? Uh, We should mention, for people who are new to this game, Tony Finau, Uh local guy, who we all know, who we've all talked to. I saw his sister-in-law yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Oh, see, DJ has to get in. Yeah, I did. I did. He saw his sister-in-law. Well, I just saw I just saw him last work. week on on Thursday at San in San Antonio. So you win, yeah. you win again. Yeah. All right, he's off the board because we all know and we all like him, and uh, we hope he wins. And nobody gets to take credit if he wins, so he's off the board. Yeah. All right, go yeah. ahead. Second round pick. Who Dustin do you like? Johnson. Dustin Johnson. There goes DJ. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, uh, there's only three guys that have won it back to back at the Masters. Uh, Faldo. Um, Jack and Tiger Woods, and maybe this will be the fourth, Dustin Johnson. Okay, I'll take uh, John Rahm. Okay, that's a good pick. His wife just had a baby last week. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking that he's going to be a little sidetracked. Okay. Uh, so um, So now are you going about... with Kevin Na? No. No, 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 I just wanted to sing that, Bob. I'm supposed to be the, you know, crazy uh, guy, the the nuts okay. guy here, the, the loose cannon, as they say. So, man, I'm looking. I, I just there's so many guys to choose from, and you just don't know. It's sort of like you know, picking out of a, a bag here and wondering is that guy going to turn up? Because it could be. I think like there's probably 15 guys who can win it. So I'm just going to go with personal favorites, one that I root for, uh, Rory. That's a good. That's a good pick. Rory's a good pick. He struggled a little bit this year, and his, um, you know, with his with his game a little bit. He said, but, "Now listen to this," and I thought this was very telling. Um, he said that um, by trying to gain more distance, yeah. after seeing what Bryson's been able to right. do, it's kind of thrown him off. And he's got a new teacher now, too. So, And that yeah. was so insightful. We talked about that because normally you don't hear professional guys talk no. like that. Exactly. He just brought exactly. it. He exposed himself, so to speak, and he just brought it, brought it in a real sense, and I appreciated that from him. Yeah. All right, third and final round, Bob. This is it. Oh, okay, third and final round. Um, boy, I'm just going through everything. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one that – you know, he's our hometown kid, DJ, and I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley. Ah, San Diego. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, all right, um, PK's right. There's like there's a whole list of people now who, you know, who do you have a good vibe on? Um, Patrick Cantley. Yeah, that's a great pick. That's wow, a great you pick. usually really well disapprove of one of my picks. You've approved of all three. I'm a little worried. Yeah, yeah, it's a good pick. I like. I it. picked Cantley last time in November. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I, I did pick him, so I like him very much. Uh, I can't go with Kepka because uh, he just got engaged and uh, he's had some, was it knee issues? Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, the dislocated, dislocated kneecap. Yep. Right. That right. And that seems like he's got a lot of things going on in his life right now. He's lucky that, to be here playing. So. Yeah. Right. So I can't, I, I, I just don't know if I can go. Uh, I, I got to see him on the course right now. So I guess I'll go with your pick. I'm torn between Reed and Morikawa, and I, I sort of relate to Reed in that nobody likes him. And that's... Does that mean nobody likes you? Well, I mean, I don't want to get too personal, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so is that your so, pick? Uh, I'm I'm torn between Morikawa and Reed. Okay. Uh, Oh, man. I guess I'll go read. Okay. Good. All right. There it is. The draft is done. Bob, we will talk to you again Thursday, at which point the tournament will be underway. Sounds good. You're the man, Bob. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for dropping a San Diego reference in. Never a bad thing there. You're the man. (laughs) All right. For those of you who don't know, Bob went to L.B. Allen Elementary. Look it up. <laughs> like nobody knows that. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> next school over from Sunnyside, where I went. So for Same those bird. of you who don't know, Same on November seventeenth, when I was four years old, <laughs> I had turkey for lunch. What? Look it up. Look it up. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone.